0: Books podcast. Today we're going to be talking about net neutrality, a very controversial topic, uh, and has been in the news as of late. I am Jake, your host, and to my left, I am Joel, the co-host. And uh, we uh, have realized that this is a pretty serious topic, and right now is kind of flooded back into our lives with the discussions and uh, and really the. The surprise weigh-in from our president, uh, Barack Obama.
1: Yeah, this, uh, net neutrality isn't a new issue. It's been, you know, in the news for a couple years now. This past month, earlier this month, it got a big, uh, a lot more exposure once again, uh, when Obama came out, President Obama came out in support of net neutrality. He has a a video on the whitehouse.gov website that kind of explains uh, the president's statement, from, from the desk of Barack Obama, uh, he writes, An open internet is essential to the American economy, and increasingly to our very way of life. By lowering the cost of launching a new idea, igniting new political movements, and bringing communities closer together, it has been one of the most significant democratizing influences the world has ever known. Net neutrality has been built into the fabric of the internet since its creation, but it is also a principle that we cannot take for granted. We cannot allow internet service providers to restrict the best access or to pick winners and losers in the online marketplace for services and ideas. That is why today I am asking the Federal Communications Commission to answer the call of almost four million public comments and implement the strongest possible rules to protect net neutrality. There's a lot more to his letter, yeah. Um, But uh, what what is net neutrality? Let's let's go back a
0: little bit. Yeah, it's it's all well and good from uh, good old uh, prison. Obama, But yeah, let's, uh, let's get into what is net neutrality. So where did, where did the term get coined?
1: So the term net neutrality was coined uh, in 2003 by Columbia law professor Tim Wu. Um, it was network neutrality. And it was in a paper uh, that he wrote just kind of explaining the concept. Wu, uh, according to Vox.com, um, they have an article called Everything You Need to Know About net- Network Neutrality uh, by Timothy Lee. Wu argued for a non-discrimination rule that would ensure a level playing field among internet applications. Uh, basically, Wu started writing after a legal fight uh, between the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, who was trying to promote an open internet. And this is what uh, Lee writes: promote an open internet by requiring requiring incumbent broadband providers to share their lines with co- competitors. Basically. The broadband providers, uh, so here in Omaha would be Cox, but other big ones are Comcast. Um, Time Warner is a
0: huge one. Uh, if you live in Lincoln, Time Warner is kind of your only option at this point, I think. Well, I should say that's what it's like almost everywhere.
1: Yeah. Almost yeah. everywhere. It's, it's just. It's everybody have, kind of has one option, it seems, in most major cities. Uh, yeah, maybe, you've got, maybe a secondary option is available, but yeah. it's usually either like a DSL or uh, just right. another. And those are good options.
0: Yeah, those are disparate uh, technologies. I mean, DSLs through phone lines, cables through coaxial lines, the same providers that give you your television, or at least had given you your television, if you made the jump to internet only, like most of us have at this point, Uh, which is partly why this is an issue, and we'll get into that later. But um, uh, there are no options, especially in Omaha. Uh, I mean, you could go satellite. I can tell you I, I have had to live with satellite for six months, and that's a terrible option. One, uh, much like your cell phone, there are data limits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which they refer to as your fast speed um, <laughs> because they give you like five gigs a month, or maybe it's ten, uh, that you get to use specifically on anything I mean, really, it's anything you want. But once you hit your limit, then they lower your speeds, and you can still connect to the internet, but they lower it down to like a trickle in comparison. And you're back into like 56K dial-up modem at that point. It's pretty bad. And so unless you are forced to use that option, and it's a bad option at that, um, or using a cellular provider... Um, it's it's always different technologies. It's never cable internet, uh, you got Cox, and then you've got three others. <laughs> no, it's never going to be that. So this paper...
1: Yeah, w- Wu um, was arguing for uh, the Federal Communication Commission to uh, regulate the open internet, making the broadband providers, so Cox, Comcast, Time Warner, uh, share their cable lines with competitors or have it be open so that new startups could come and use the line that they already uh, laid down um to provide a competing internet service but uh and there was a 2005 supreme court ruling that uh triggered the end of those regulations and that was the telecommunications association versus brand x internet services um basically they decided that uh the cable internet provider is an information service, uh, but not a telecommunications service. Um, that's how it was regulated as such. And so it doesn't need to share those lines. Well, and I think at the time, it probably was more of an
0: information service, uh, when you think about it from a, a philosophical level. Um, I mean, phone lines, that's where you communicated through. Cell phones were, were in use, <laughs> but not heavily Um, But the internet was pretty much
1: just used for information. Yeah, and this is all... I mean, it came out of the late 90s, early 2000s, once the internet started really, really picking up and going mainstream. I know the internet's been pretty mainstream since the early 90s, but there was never that uh, decision in place or that information in place about how it would be regulated. Right. I mean, people's
0: dial-up was still in fairly regular use with a lot of people uh at the time i most homes didn't get cable until probably um i mean 2007 i think 2008 is right when we started to make that switch i think i mean now this is in (laughs) omaha i should say that at least anecdotally that's what i feel like i could be wrong i think i
1: got i think i first got cable internet at about 2004
0: oh okay yeah
1: did you, were you an early adopter then? Actually, I think it might have been earlier than that because really? I remember in high school, I graduated high school in 2004 and we had cable internet in high school. So it was probably 99, 2000 when we first got it. Hmm. But I remember dial up uh, it was from like 96 to 99 or 96 to 2000. Easily, easily. So slow.
0: <laughs> or maybe as, you know, just, or DSL. Anyway. Yeah. That that technology, even even till still today, I think cable technology is still relatively new. Uh, although most of us use it because it's better than DSL. Oh yeah, proven right. fact. Um, and the main reason is because uh, cell or telephone companies aren't doing anything to increase the their technology. Uh, DSL is kind of an aging technology that's been, or at least a technology that's trying to work on uh aging infrastructures i mean you're going through telephone wires to get, send this information and they just can't handle the same amount of bandwidth that for example a uh a coaxial cable can handle coaxial can actually handle a significant amount of data um and is being used more and more today to send data next to or ne- next to something like fiber optic
1: well so yeah that's how uh, the term net neutrality came about uh it very quickly became used to describe um, just the concept of an open internet, meaning uh, the internet is information transported along the internet is just free and available to all. So no, your, your internet service provider can't uh, throttle certain websites. So for instance, um, your internet service provider can't throttle Google if they don't want Google search results. So all, all packets, yeah, are,
0: all ones and zeros are treated
1: equally with impunity. Yeah. Shortly following the uh, Supreme Court decision, the National Cable and Telecommunications Association versus Brand X Internet Services, uh, that decided that major cable companies don't need to share their lines with smaller startup internet providers the FCC wanted to do more to uh, help regulate and help promote an open internet. So they started drafting some new regulations and they came up with, uh, the four principles of the open internet as decided by the FCC. And each of these principles starts with a statement, uh, to encourage broadband deployment and preserve and promote the open and interconnected nature of the public internet. So the four points are, Consumers are entitled to access the lawful internet content of their choice. Uh, Consumers are entitled to run applications and use services of their choice subject to the needs of law enforcement. Consumers are entitled to connect their choice of legal devices that do not harm the network. And consumers are entitled to competition among network providers, applications, and service providers, and content providers.
0: Right. Um, Essentially, this is all they do is they provide the pipe for your data to go down. And the the data you receive is not looked at or regulated in any way, shape, or form as long as it is legal. Um, I mean, of course, if you're doing illegal activities, uh, then yes, there is that. That has been dealt with in many different ways probably since that time frame. Um, I know many people recall the... Kind of rampant uh, music downloading with stuff like Napster, and then Napster got shut down, and then um, the record companies have gone after people over shared music. You don't really hear about that much anymore, predominantly because um, they have decided that, you know, Joe Schmell on the street, who's downloading a a CD, uh, they're not, that guy's not the guy we want. It's the guy that originally uploaded it uh they're the ones that they're going after a kind of patient zero type stuff but it's also the people that they can all they can wring the most money out of
1: well that kind of brings up another interesting point uh or at the next step of the timeline now throughout the mid-2000s there was some debate in congress about passing a net neutrality law uh i it never happened Or in 2007 as you were mentioning, you were talking about um, people uploading uh, music illegally or people downloading music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comcast actually started blocking BitTorrent and throttling BitTorrent downloads across the entire service. I remember that. Yeah. Now BitTorrent is. Uh,
0: I shouldn't remember that, but <laughs> I do because it was in the news.
1: BitTorrent is a very legal service. I use it to use download to legal share content. Content. Now it just so happens that people often use torrents to share pirated content as well, no. which is why Comcast was throttling the entire service, regardless, regardless of uh, people downloading legal things or illegal yeah. things. They were basically blocking a service from using their internet, which goes against these net neutrality regulations that the FCC was. Um, well, and it seems kind of
0: silly. It, it comes down to the, the whole concept of uh, the technology exists, Yes, the technology is being used for nefarious purpose, but don't blame the technology.
1: Blame the people that are doing the nefarious things. And uh, in in 2008, the FCC started investigating Comcast for their treatment of BitTorrent traffic and eventually ordered Comcast to not do that anymore. (laughs) Right, to stop throttling.
0: I mean, because really what it came down to is they were just preventing any sort of data that came through... Uh, those particular from those particular sites. or From what I understand, it, that sort of traffic, uh, at least to an ISP, Internet Service Provider, looks like it uh, has a very st- distinct signature, and so they were able to just throttle any sort of connection that had that particular signature. I mean, that, in, in essence, that's the problem that we're hopefully not going to run into but have been kind of running into as of late. But we'll get more into that later.
1: In 2008, after President Obama was elected, he brought in a new FCC chairman, and they issued, uh, the new chairman issued the Open Internet Order of 2010, um, which had three basic protections. And this is from the actual document uh, that we will have in our liner notes. Transparency. Fixed and mobile broadband providers must disclose the network management practices, performances, Characteristics and commercial terms of their broadband service. No blocking. Fixed broadband providers may not block lawful content, applications, services, or non-harmful devices. Mobile broadband providers may not block lawful websites or block applications that compete with their voice or video telephony services. And no unreasonable discrimination. Fixed broadband providers may not unreasonably discriminate in transmitting lawful network traffic. So this was basically an updated version of those previous guidelines or previous um, net neutrality uh, rules that they had laid out. They specifically mentioned may not uh, block applications that compete with their voice or video telephony services. And the reason for that was, I think, AT&T was Was blocking FaceTime from Apple devices. Uh, FaceTime. Yeah. A huge feature (laughs) built into... Uh, a Apple iPhone. Yeah. Like, they just wouldn't let anybody use it on their network because it, it used too much bandwidth. Ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Um, since that was a huge sale point, I think, at that time. Because that was a new feature that they had on the iPhone. Because I don't think that the first iPhones had that. Maybe? uh I am not so clear on no, Apple the first, history. The
1: first iPhones did not have that, right? That, that, was, was, that was much later. Yeah, <laughs> I was going
0: to say that was a that was a hot thing when that yeah. came out. So, yeah, that would have uh, that I it can't it it doesn't make any sense only because you can barely believe that someone buys this phone from AT and T and then AT and T takes away yeah. capabilities from that phone, which would decrease the amount of money they are going to get because people are just straight up not going to get the phone. I think at that point they're like. People are going to buy this iPhone regardless. (laughs) Just let them pay. (laughs) The masses will come to us. It's fine. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Especially looking at how pervasive Android is now in comparison necessarily to iPhones. Nothing against iPhones. Uh, They are great and uh, they work for a lot of people. Uh, They do not work for me, (laughs) but they work for a lot of people.
1: As you can see, these regulations also directly reference kind of that comcast throttling BitTorrent. yes uh, because it says providers may not block lawful websites yeah. granted that website was often or that service was often used for unlawful means the service itself was not illegal and has many many legal uses right yeah.
0: it's 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 a data sharing site it yeah. can be used for anything And realistically, that technology uh, behind torrenting uh, is pretty impressive from a network standpoint. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, Unfortunately, it continues to still be used for nefarious purposes, uh, which is why torrents have a bad name.
1: (laughs) But that's a whole other matter. So almost immediately following, uh, these rules went into effect on November 20th, 2011, and almost immediately following it, Verizon sued. Um, these probably rules, probably these for rules? that broadband,
0: yeah. uh, the broadband uh, mobile issue that was in there, because that was their becoming a big bread and butter for them. These rules
1: were made, and then Verizon sued, challenged it in the D.C. Circuit Court, because yeah, it, that's that's what they do. They brought Verizon wanted to make money. <laughs> yeah,
0: Verizon. Realistically, Verizon is a business and they want to make money i can't you cannot necessarily blame a company for wanting to make more money however you can blame them when they are essentially a monopoly uh, although cellular companies thankfully have not become that point they're getting there only because of cell tower issues but some of that has been worked out between you know certain plans but that's the thing is now the consumer has to pay for it but at least at the time maybe that was more of a deal um verizon was an early adopter for that broadband service it's all a big issue but verizon has definitely been the largest opponent as of date to net neutrality starting with this (laughs) kind of hallmark um uh, legal battle
1: Yeah, and their legal battle was successful as of January of this year. Um, The D.C. Circuit Court overturned the open internet rules and basically threw them out, the ones that were put down in 2010. Yeah, much Um, much to everyone's surprise. And so this entire year, uh, net neutrality has become a big, big issue again, because all the rules that were set up were thrown out, and it's had a lot of side effects.
0: Right? Uh, I'm sure unless you uh, do not like the internet or do not pay attention to radio or television on a pretty thorough basis, you probably recall there was a moment in time in which Netflix started to get real slow (laughs) for people who were
1: on, I believe, Comcast. Yeah, I think it was Comcast again.
0: And Comcast wasn't telling anybody anything. But, uh, people figured that it was probably because Comcast wanted Netflix to pay them more money. It feels a little extorty. Yeah. It's a little extortion.
1: So, yeah, Comcast was throttling Netflix's broadband. Basically, not letting people... Like, getting to the point where people would be trying to to watch a TV show or a movie on Netflix, and it would have to stop and buffer constantly. Constantly. Uh, It was unwatchable for a lot of customers. Yeah.
0: And so this was, this was a way for Comcast to force Netflix into having to pay more for a, a bigger lane, if you will, or a fast lane, <laughs> as the term has now been known, and therein lies the issue. And actually, that's probably the most pervasive problem right now that uh, Internet service providers are doing is they are forcing Um, other companies who utilize their uh, their infrastructure their service to have to pay more in order to be able to effectively use it
1: and netflix did pay more
0: because i don't think netflix has ever issued nor comcast has ever issued whatever amount of money that they dealt with but uh, there are definitely people that have tracked its usage online and you can see uh, the speed at which the servers are contacting uh, through Comcast Comcast's service, and then all of a sudden, one day, it shoots back up through the roof, and everything is uh, hunky-dory.
1: Yeah, it looks like, and I'm looking at that uh, Everything You Need to Know About Network Neutrality article by Timothy Lee again, that uh, Netflix has agreed to pay Comcast as of this February, and they've also signed a deal with Verizon in April, Verizon and Comcast being the two biggest biggest companies against net neutrality.
0: Well, and they're also the two, I think they're the two largest in their fields, if I recall correctly. I think Verizon is the number one provider in the United States, and Comcast is the number one cable provider in the United States. So as far as U.S. law is concerned, they are the leaders in their respective technologies. So that's really the biz. I mean, that's that as we get further and further kind of down this rabbit hole, as in kind of going through exactly what net neutrality is, and you would think that everybody and their mom, hopefully, if their mom is good and right and true, uh, would be willing to uphold these net neutrality laws. It sounds highly American. We want an open playing field for any technology in any company to be able to come in and have uh, competition, it's what made America great. It's the way our dad did it, and uh, are you quoting Iron? Man? I'm trying and <laughs> failing. I used to be able to do it, no problem. That's how Dad did it. It's how America does it, <laughs> and it's worked out pretty well so far. <laughs> With all that uh, and that goofiness tangent, there are people who do oppose net neutrality. There are people that consider it uh, right up there with uh, President Obama's um, new uh, medical stuff, all the the new open healthcare. Uh, we're not going to necessarily get into the political uh, kind of conundrum that exists. However, um, when looking at the facts, or at least on how to fix net neutrality, there are definitely some moments in time
1: uh, in which it seems like it might, th- they're going about it the wrong way potentially. Basically, part of the reason that uh, the FCC regulations got thrown out in court was because of how broadband was classified by the 1996 Telecommunications Act um, that Congress passed. Uh, broadband services were classified as information services which are exempt from most FCC regulations, according to Timothy Lee. But uh, also, instead of information services, uh, the FCC was trying to regulate them like a telecommunications service, uh, similar to a, phone line, a traditional phone line. They call this common carrier status. Basically, a uh, common carrier is kind of a 19th century concept uh, related to basic infrastructure. Um, it talked about railroads, telegraphs, telephones, electric power meaning that all of those types of services had to be offered at a standard price to everybody. And net neutrality, part of the way that people want to fix net neutrality is to change um, broadband server, uh, services from, that, from an information service to a telecommunication service, uh, so a common carrier, basically.
0: Yeah, it would, it would revert it back to being like the phone company. That's really what it gets down to.
1: Which makes sense because when you think about what broadband internet does, it gives you access to imp- it gives you access to a pipeline for information. Right. Yeah. It's just pipes. It's it's cable. It's, it's
0: the internet is a, a series of tubes. Uh, from uh, I don't remember which senator said that. The but...
1: late Senator Ted Stevens from Alaska. Rest in peace.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, however, uh, he's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> um, I just. His, they're not physical tubes, obviously, but uh, that's what we have always wanted the internet to be is just a, a, not necessarily a series of smaller and larger tubes. As far as everyone is concerned, at least uh, the proponents for net neutrality, common carrier status fixes everything because then the FCC has the ability to lawfully uh, shut down any sort of uh, shenanigans on uh, limiting any sort of business to go through their services. It essentially turns it into a utility, just like electricity and the telephone company.
1: Yeah, and that has uh, pros and cons to it, of course. Uh, The pros being it treats everybody the same. Everybody gets the same access to the information or to the the network, um, and it can help set prices to be fairly reasonable.
0: Right. Uh, they would, they, we would get better control on pricing. Um, the, uh, as far as the government's ability to push the services out to more areas would be greater. Because telephone companies, if they're a common carrier, it essentially is assumed that uh, that technology is pushed out more into rural spaces. Um, they would work on that infrastructure and getting it as far as nationwide as possible. It's a small benefit, but it's a benefit nonetheless. Having lived in a rural rural area uh, and having to use satellite, I can tell you it would be awesome if I had cable internet because uh, it is not good on on satellite. It's not bad, but once you get through those fast uh, those those fast gigabytes uh, from you, uh, your pool of information or pool of data that you can pull from, uh, it sucks. So,
1: yeah. and this is what Obama has uh, recently said that's why it's back in the news is because he for the first time ever supported trent changing it to uh to a common carrier status
0: i can tell you why and we wouldn't want it to go to common carrier because that is government regulation (laughs) so this is the more what one would consider a more conservative viewpoint um and i'm not saying this is to be politically arousing uh, however, this is a little bit more along a, a conservative thought, um, and it's not necessarily wrong, um, but it is a different viewpoint. They consider that if uh, it is placed under common carrier status, that the, um, the technology and the advancements that have been made to date uh, will slow down and eventually stop. Namely, if you look at the telephone company, uh, after it was regulated under common carrier status around the turn of the century... Their hasn't their their ability to expand telephone technology has dwindled dramatically. I mean, they're really not doing anything else to really expand their. T- I mean, the DSL was the, the last kind of great technology push, and there really hasn't been anything else. I mean, most people today don't even use their home phones uh, or use a a a li- landline yeah. phone um, because it is. Um, it's limiting and you have to be in your home you have to be you have that phone only has so much uh, access uh, as far as range so you can't really travel with you and people can't contact you all the time and uh, the fact that cell phone plans are so expensive it seems reasonable to drop your home phone and stick with cell phone and the reason why they're more expensive is that they're not a common carrier, <laughs> the prices haven't been kept down, but their technology has expanded because they are in an open and free market, and they are essentially unregulated for the most part.
1: Well, I could argue that uh, when it comes to broadband internet, um, cable uh there's not competition anyway, so people aren't expanding their, uh, their networks, right. like, as it is. Like,
0: no, no, that's been brought it, up multiple it's this, times. It's the same issue, regardless. Yeah. It's, it is the fact that, it's, or at least it seems like, because no one can ever give, us, give a clear answer, because no one wants to fess up to this, but it seems like a lot of these companies kind of plan and cut up and divvy out certain sections of, their, of the, the market uh, in a, a particular state or or um, range of an area and so it you stay on your side i stay on my side everyone makes money no one gets hurt
1: yeah
0: and or at least that's what it feels like uh because it's not like uh cox is getting pushed out by um time warner even though time warner is not very far away i mean L- lincoln's only a yeah. 40 minute drive yeah yeah so and omaha is ever expanding that direction and i know it's probably more by county um that you know uh, douglas county is pretty much a cox communications county yeah um whereas you look at something like sarpy or um what's the county in
1: lincoln lancaster lancaster (laughs) sorry so or lancaster
0: (laughs) county um with lincoln uh with they are maybe that that county is a time warner county
1: so oh, yeah, i guarantee there's agreements though that uh it's just business yeah it, it's all just business <laughs> how they work
0: that's they're, they do not want to have that competition uh mostly because uh long-standing kind of ownership rules for that area they're the ones who laid down the pipe why give that to somebody else
1: that seems ridiculous. But with those, uh, with those kind of local monopolies, is kind of what they it amounts to. That's what because, it feels like. Yeah, that, that's what, what it feels it like because it's not like we, there's really a choice in internet service providers in most places. It uh, disincentivizes them to upgrade their infrastructure. Uh, so whereas fiber uh, fiber optic uh, is much much faster than cable now, um, it's not being upgraded or laid down in most places because the local monopoly is making money anyway with with their fast fast cable internet right. which is nowhere it's much faster than uh than the old internet used to be but it's still not there, there are much better technologies out yeah, there yeah
0: f- fiber optic is significantly faster um and that realistically i know people have always made the argument well internet how fast do you need your internet how quick do you need pages to load um, and it's not necessarily, in my opinion, it's not necessarily how pay- quick do the web pages load. It, one, it's what technology the web pages is, is using. And two, how much data I'm accessing at one time. And as we move toward more streaming services, having something like fiber optic is going to allow for a higher quality streaming service.
1: Yeah, being able to stream in 1080p HD or I guess soon 4K, 4K. HD. Yeah. It, 4K is basically impossible right now to stream. It's, on yeah,
0: it, it, it through it's very slow those pipes. It is very, very slow. Very and there's very little service that you can stream 4K into. Uh, for those who don't understand, 4K is a new standard for high definition that is coming very soon. Uh, go to your local. Best Buy, or uh, a local electronics retailer. Go to your local Amazon.com. No, 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 because Amazon, (laughs) no, because you can't look at it. Uh, My thing is, is go to your local electronic service provider, uh, or who's going to sell you a television, and take a look at their 4K televisions. Uh, That, if the problem also is that there's very little content on 4K right now, but that is probably going to be uh, the new standard As we move further into the future, 1080p, There's, frankly, there's very little content that's 1080p right now anyway, (laughs) because uh, cable television, for the most part, is not even shown in full 1080p. It is shown in either 720p or 1080i. And I'm not going to get into the technologies, because I used to sell this stuff way back in the day. (laughs) Part of the problem and why those technologies are not being utilized is because the infrastructure to push out that sort of data to your television is just simply not there the
1: infrastructure is holding the technology back at this point which is i guess one of the things that uh they're saying is going to happen if it switches to a common carrier well
0: and then we're well i think what we are saying is it's already happening it's already happening this is already an issue (laughs) um regardless of that and it's partially because these companies don't necessarily
1: have competitors in their field well, you know, this, and this is where Google's trying to come in, too. Google is a big supporter of net neutrality, and uh, for the most part always has been. Well, it's because
0: it makes... Sometimes
1: Google does do
0: things because it makes them look good.
1: Well, if you think about it, open internet, uh, that's, that would be Google's bread and butter. Like, if yeah. that's how Google makes money, by getting people to the information they're looking for. Google is all about accessing the information, right, and then selling advertisements, and selling ads. Yeah, <laughs> yes,
0: and then those advertisements, the, the if they're if something is throttled, those are fewer people that they can get money from for ads. Yeah,
1: the faster Google can get you to your information, the more ads they can show you, and the more money they can make. And Google has been pushing for uh, for these networks to upgrade their infrastructure, and you know this is where things like Google Fiber are coming into play, where google itself bought up a bunch of fiber in kansas city and is offering fiber internet in kansas city and a few other cities i think it's slowly it's slowly working its way around Slowly working its way out
0: in my opinion omaha is a prime place (laughs) because council bluffs has a data center um and so it makes complete sense for them to create a uh or to move fiber optic into this market mainly because they have one of their data centers in the town next door. <laughs> and we are the far larger metropolis in comparison to Council Bluffs.
1: And Google has been looking mainly at uh, Midwestern and uh, differing markets, not giant markets. I think they have Austin, uh, right. a city in Utah, yep. Provo. And yeah, they don't.
0: It's it's something that I think they what they want to do is, uh, one, they have to have money coming in. In order to expand their service not to say that google doesn't have a ridiculous giant pile of cash but uh i also think that they need to um have the 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 infrastructure in place and have it well tested and well thought out before they move into larger markets is if you want to be successful you have to make sure that everything is kind of copacetic before you start really making the major push uh when that's going to happen i don't know but it's happen it's going to happen
1: oh yeah yeah
0: although that the, the then there's a whole other privacy issue necessarily with google since google kind of owns most of us with android phones anyway because <laughs> i have their mail service my calendars on there my contact book that's sad i should really <laughs> think about moving that off there but it's so convenient again this is a uh, more of a google thing but but that yeah that's
1: that's another topic that's a privacy that's, that's a pri- maybe privacy, that's a privacy yeah. for another or that yeah. privacy is
0: another topic for another time.
1: <laughs> um. So the that
0: is the major the major issue that people have with this technology moving to Title II, with uh, or at least moving cable providers into a Title II, aka common carrier status, is that they think that it is going to stagnate the market. Technology is no longer going to be the driving factor and they are essentially going to become the telephone company. And newer, com- newer technologies such as uh, cell phones or mobile, something else is going to come along and uh, upclass uh, or overturn these companies in their dominion. But you look at something like Japan or South Korea... They the, part of the thing is that their tech companies are subsidized by the government, um, so that that is a given. Uh, so th- things are not as expensive over there as far as data is concerned because uh, there it is subsidized. But also they have more competitors. They actually have competition <laughs> in their countries between different internet providers, um, and th- because that is the way that their their markets are so much smaller that they have to have those, those competitors have kind of cropped up. So people do have choices on uh, who they pick for their, uh, their service provider. Unfortunately, we have allowed companies to just carve out giant areas and, and then disallowed other companies from entering into those areas. We, we have kind of done this to ourselves you know, as far I, as a, as a country
1: yeah and i agree with that i was actually just looking up uh the companies that are for and against net neutrality and it it's really telling and and uh, the type of how much money that uh they spend on lobbying for or against net neutrality so we already mentioned two of the biggest anti-net neutrality uh companies it's verizon and comcast but also at&t uh is the other the the third one and they spend more money combined lobbying against net neutrality than the companies lobbying for net neutrality like it's it's by a long shot much more right. uh, i don't have an actual number so i don't know if i should eh, it's a lot that's all we need to know okay. so so I, yeah i was looking at the companies that are for and against net neutrality and uh, the companies that are anti net neutrality are the providers, mostly. It's Verizon, AT&T, Comcast, the National Cable and Telecommunications Association, and the National Music Publishers Association. Those are the the five that spend the most money uh, lobbying against net neutrality. Now, the companies that are for net neutrality are not the providers. They're the content companies. They're the websites. It's Google, it's Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft. Um, so... The it's, people
0: using the tubes... Yeah, it's the want, big tech companies. They want net neutrality. The people who own the tubes do not want net neutrality. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> and Unfortunately, now it falls down to our, our government to uh, make the decisions in how they are going to regulate the, the companies that own the tubes so that the companies that use the tubes can still make money. And keep our our whole internet machine running as smoothly as possible. Now, the big question is, what do libraries think about this? And why is this important to libraries?
1: Well, believe it or not, uh, the American Library Association does have a specific stance on net neutrality. Big surprise. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <That's> yeah. Given...
0: <laughs> given Uh, we have some major tenets about uh, the freedom of information. Uh,
1: Well, according to uh, the American Library Association's website, they have a whole page dedicated to net neutrality, and that link will, of course, be in our podcast notes. Why does net neutrality matter to libraries? And I'm taking this directly from the ALA website the american library association is a strong advocate for intellectual freedom which is the right of all people to seek and receive information from all points of view without restriction intellectual freedom is critical to our democracy because we rely on people's ability to inform themselves the internet connects people of diverse geographical political or ideological origins greatly enhancing everyone's ability to share and inform both themselves and others Um, so it's Basically, because of libraries' commitment to freedom of information and freedom of expression, Uh, they're very much in favor of net neutrality. So the conclusion here says, uh, The American Library Association supports net neutrality legislation that preserves the competitive online markets for content and services. Bandwidth and access should be offered on equal terms to all willing to pay. Otherwise, broadband providers will be free to leverage their quasi-monopolies into lucrative but market-distorting agreements.
0: Yeah, um, we yeah. just want it to be open. We want it to be open, and we want—we don't necessarily want it to be free, but that would be fantastic. But we just want it to be the, to be even footing for everybody, because the instant that you start uh, giving anyone the ability to control information, uh, you also give them the ability to control how people think and feel. It's a big reason why libraries exist, uh, is that we, librarians in general, and our our great country wants people to be free-thinking, because they have the freedom to choose and the freedom to speak. And that really comes down to uh, the fact that we uh, believe that all information should be treated equal. So in closing, I think we just all want to get along. Mm -hmm. Why can't we all just get along?
1: (laughs) Open internet for everybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, without getting, again, too political, I would say that any library is, is well and thoroughly invested in the success of net neutrality. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, you can find our podcast, uh, on our blog that's on the main Bellevue University Library website www.vue.com slash library. Um, you can see a small blue button, uh, on the lower right hand point of the page, uh, and you'll find our post there. Or if you search for More Than Books Podcast on archive.org, you can find us there as well. So I just want to thank you for spending this time with us, and, uh, seeing it all the way through the end.
1: Thank you.